From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Democratic Governor Tony Evers doubled down on talk of gun control last week at the state capitol. He says Republican concerns over bills that he and Democratic lawmakers are pushing is B.S., and he may call the legislature into special session to take up the measures. One calls for universal background checks on gun purchases in Wisconsin, while another would establish a red flag law where police or family members could petition a court to take away guns from someone they fear is a danger. Evers also predicted that Republicans who control the legislature will, quote, pay the price at the polls if they don't take up the bills. What do you think is the likelihood of a special session over this? And do you think this issue would result in some Republican lawmakers losing their seats in 2020? Uh, One, Governor Evers can call a special session, but there's no requirement under state law that lawmakers actually meet. And there's been no sign so far from Republicans that would take up any of the bills that Governor Evers wants if he called one. So there may be a call for one, but I don't see right now in talking to people a real avenue for change in state law over, you know, gun restrictions, et cetera. Now, there's always a chance there'll be some tweaking, some small things. But as far as like a red flag law, Speaker Robin Voss of the Assembly has already basically said he's not interested in that. Um, Universal background checks, you've already seen Republicans raising Concerns, and it's the same cycle we see whenever there is a mass shooting. You have uh, shooting occurs. You see Democrats calling for action in response to that mass shooting. Republicans uh, raise raise concerns about what the impact would be on Second Amendment rights, focus on mental health instead. And then the kind of passion for change starts to fade away until there's another mass shooting. It's a cycle repeated over and over again. What I kind of heard couple weeks ago was more likely would be something happened at the federal level because you had President Trump kind of sending a signal about being open to strong back, you know, background checks, but he's kind of wavered now. So I'm not really clear from people I talked to at this point, we're going to see change either the state or the federal level, but politically, I mean, if you look at the districts, the way they're drawn up, I mean, most Republicans are in rural areas, suburban areas. So sure, there might be some grief for some of the Republicans, but I don't know that anyone really worried about losing their race uh, over this issue alone, because for the most part, they represent fairly safe seats or at least Republican leaning seats where a lot of people in those districts don't want to see more restrictions on guns. So at this point, it's not looking like it is a do or die issue for Republicans when it comes to 2020. Now that could always change. But so far, we haven't seen Republicans haven't passed any new um, gun bills in eight years in terms of restrictions. They did concealed carry, um, castle doctrine. They haven't expanded any, they repealed the two-day waiting period for a handgun, and they haven't paid a price for it politically. So I don't know that there's any suggestion right now, at least, that there would be a price politically for not passing new restrictions on gun rights. Also last week, full confirmation hearings on at least one of Governor Evers' cabinet picks moved forward. A Senate committee voted 4-1 to one to approve the appointment of Andrea Palm to serve as Secretary of Health and Family Services. The agency oversees Wisconsin's Badger Care Plus, Senior Care, and other public benefits programs. At least one Republican has voiced concerns about Palm. What are those concerns, and do you think the full Senate will confirm her when it votes in October? 
uh, Senator Andre Jacques, Republican from the Pier, raised concerns because the number three position at Department of Health Services was filled by a woman who used to work for Planned Parenthood. He says it's a conflict of interest. He's raised concerns about this because Planned Parenthood has sued the state over restrictions on abortion, for example, and that's one of his driving issues. Um, I don't know how many Republicans beyond Andre Jacques share that sentiment. In the committee hearing, there are two Republicans who voted to confirm Andrea Palm, saying that she was qualified for the job. Uh, one of them, Dale Kayenga uh, from suburban Milwaukee, basically said, look, he opposes abortion rights, but it's unrealistic to expect everybody who works in government is going to be on the same page as he is when it comes to that issue. And oh, by the way, the vast majority of what DHS does is not related to abortion. So I don't know that there are enough Republicans to get to the 17 you would need to oppose a nomination to vote it down. I mean, you've got two right there out of 19. That gives you no more wiggle room to lose anybody if you wanted to vote it down. So my sense has been that if you put Andrew Palm on the floor of the Senate for a confirmation vote, she'd be confirmed. The issue is and has been for a while that Senator Leader Scott Fitzgerald uh, kind of has a rule of thumb, and, and honestly, a lot of leaders have this rule of thumb in legislatures, that unless you have the votes you need to pass a bill or a confirmation from your own caucus, you don't take it to the floor. That would mean that you need 17 Republicans to approve any of these nominations from Tony Evers. Otherwise, it might just kind of not take them to the floor. I don't know right now if Andrew Palm has 17 GOP votes. She's lost one in, in Andre Jacques. I don't know the rest of the people in the caucus, how many there would vote the same that Andre did. So I can't say for sure if she'd come up on the floor. But the calculations there for all these nominations where Scott Fitzgerald is going to meet with his caucus sometime this fall, figure out where the support is for these uh, various nominees, and then will only move forward, most likely, if, again, he can get 17 GOP votes uh, for any of the nominations. And if not, I mean, there's no impact on these, these nominees' ability to do their job by not being confirmed. They still get paid. They still have the authority of the position. Um, they just don't have a confirmation. And now some want to say this hangs over their heads like, you know, it's some kind of threat. Well, it's not because I also have doubts that if you put anyone on the floor of the state Senate, they'd be voted down you would get 14 Democratic votes right away off the bat because, you know, they're going to support Governor Evers' nominees. You would only need three Republicans to pass anybody, right? More likely that's going to happen. Almost all of these who have had committee votes have gotten at least two GOP votes. You only need one more. So two plus 14, one more, you get to 70 confirmed. So I just don't see any of these nominees being shot down, barring something really um, unforeseen happening. So at this point, it looks like, like I said, either Fitzgerald will see if he's got 17 GOP votes. And if he doesn't, they'll just not take him to the floor. Former House Speaker Paul Ryan says he's moving his family from his hometown in Janesville to a house in a Washington, D.C. suburb. Ryan announced his retirement from Congress in April of last year and did not seek re-election in 2018. He says he's still going to keep his home in Janesville. But with Ryan being so close to D.C., do you think he'll run again for public office someday? Uh, there was a suggestion to me that after Paul Ryan became Speaker of the House that his political career was essentially over in terms of seeking a higher office. Um, it's just a reality of being Speaker that you take on so many fights and take, on, take so many slings and arrows um, on various issues that it's just a difficult place to launch a campaign for the presidency. Not to suggest that you know, Ryan had a burning desire to be president, but if that's the next step up, you know, that's kind of how things work. So there's that, that he knew was pretty much a done deal once he became speaker, especially with the way his 
speakership progressed with the fights he fought, um, the relationship they have with President Trump. And that's really kind of maybe a bigger deal right now for his future politically is that the Republican Party that people like Paul Ryan thought was the same ideological vein as he was in terms of like taxes and trade and regulation of those things isn't really the party that he thought it was. It's the party now of Donald Trump. It's got a, a much more populist base than some Republicans had thought and really embraced Trump. And it's become the party of Trump. And you've seen Ryan's numbers drop significantly among Republican voters because of his battles with President Trump. So if you have that kind of baggage, if you're Ryan, it's tough to see you winning a Republican primary right now, barring a big course correction. I mean, this whole play with President Trump is, is yet to be played out. But if President Trump doesn't win re-election in 2020, if there's a bad day of the polls for Republicans, will there be a course correction? They go, okay, that didn't work. And you go to another direction. Or are we seeing a realignment of the Republican Party where it is becoming more of that, that populist streak that Trump's been really tapping into? And if that's the case, it's hard to see Paul Ryan with much of a political future in terms of running for office. Now, he's got a group he created. He can stay involved as a, somebody who's a respected figure, a thinker. But in terms of like being president someday, the people I talk to don't really see that as the path that Paul Ryan is on right now. And finally, Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss recently said he wants to grow the GOP majority to a veto-proof level through the 2020 elections. He says his goal is to grow the number of Republicans in the Assembly from the current 63 to 67. That would be enough to override vetoes from Democratic Governor Tony Evers. How does Voss plan on doing this, and do you think he'll succeed? Uh, well, you know, you've got to pick up uh, those four seats. There are paths for Robin to accomplish that, but there are a couple of things in his way. One, um, Republicans, for the most part, have maxed out their numbers from the maps they drew. Now, there's a seat in suburban Milwaukee that Robin Vining, a, a Democrat from Wauwatosa, won last fall. The Democrats are Republicans are really much targeting for 2020. But beyond that, you know, there's Steve Doyle in western Wisconsin who has a seat that President Trump won in 16. Everybody else are really in kind of fairly safe Democratic seats. Now, there are places you could possibly go and pour in resources trying to knock off those Democrats, but it's a very, very narrow path to get to 67. And what's more, you'd also need to get to 22 Republicans in the state Senate, which means picking up three seats to get you to a place where you'd be able to override a, a veto from Tony Evers. And that's the goal here. If you get to two-thirds majorities in both houses, you basically negate Tony Evers' ability to halt uh, Republican priorities. Oh, by the way, Democrats point out it's a veto-proof majority. That means Republicans still could draw a new map for Assembly and Senate congressional lines in 2021, and Evers couldn't stop it. Now, the path, again, to that kind of majority in both houses is very, very narrow. Can you see it? Sure. You know, you can map out a way to get there. But most folks I talk to think it'd be very, very difficult because it's just not that Republican of a state. Uh, it's more of a swing state. Republicans are really maximized where they're at right now from numbers of the, the, the maps that they have. There's only a handful of places they can go to pick up seats. And it's, it's uh, beyond that, it doesn't want to get you to two-thirds majorities. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.